Take your Bibles, please, and turn to Romans chapter 12. That's our passage this morning, Romans chapter 12. As we talk about the battle for the righteous use of social media, here's the key concept. We must establish digital boundaries in our families. Digital boundaries in our families. Now, I don't know here, looking over the demographics of our first service, whether or not you're on social media. Can I give a show of hands? How many people are on some form of social media? Facebook, something like this. Okay, a great number. Good. Okay. For those of us who are not, maybe this is not a a personal issue, but you know people who are on social media. Your children, your children's children are on social media. And the principles that we're talking about here are transferable and need to be discussed as a part of family life. In my lifetime, I've seen tremendous changes in the area of technology. I don't want to sound too ancient. But I remember the day that my grandparents first bought the, forever, the first ever color TV that I saw. Up until then, it's just black and white and a small screen, but they bought this, brought this console TV into their living room, and it had a, a screen that by today's standard is a very small screen, but by... But for then, it was a large screen color TV. I think it was, I don't know, in the early, mid-60s or so. NBC was broadcasting in color. And I remember for the first time when I saw that NBC peacock in color. Oh, my word. I was mesmerized. And then I recall my father taking a course in computers. What was that? Never heard of that. At that time, it was a machine that filled a room, and you had to use paper punch cards to communicate and learn a special binary language to use the computer. I've seen vinyl records change to digital CDs for music lovers, and then now back again to vinyl for music lovers. The first time I ever saw a fax machine, I was amazed. You put the paper in here, and it comes out in the office way across town astounding. But nothing has been as massive a shift to our lives and technology as computers and the internet and cell phones. Room-sized computers have given way to laptops and cell phones that have more computing power than the spaceships of the Apollo missions. And the internet can bring anything you want into your home at any time. And as McKenna said a moment ago, none of this is going away. So today I want to discuss particularly about the piece of technology that we call social media. How do we use social media in a righteous manner? But first, let's listen to these verses. Romans chapter 12, I'll start my reading in verse 15. It says this, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now you say to yourself, well, that has nothing to do with social media. Yes, it does. These verses speak about our connectivity to one another. The Bible spoke about being connected long before that became a word that was used in the world of technology. And God's opinion regarding the way that we are to connect with one another has a lot to do with how we use social media. 
It's easy to view the technology we're talking about today as a neutral tool. Just like a carpenter has hammers, a preacher has his Bible, a surgeon has scalpels, the plumber has his wrenches. Now, we all have this new tool called social media, Facebook and the like, and we, we have it at our disposal. But this particular tool can easily turn into a weapon that you can use to hurt others and to hurt yourself, to do damage in ways that we never could prior to the invention of these tools. I read an article that was published in 2020 by an organization called digitalmarketing.com. It gave these statistics. Worldwide, the average use per day in, on social media is 144 minutes. That's two hours and 24 minutes per day. That's the average worldwide, and it includes countries with no electricity, all right? 80% of social media use is on a mobile device like a phone, and the average person who has a cell phone interacts with their cell phone 2,617 times a day. That means touching, swiping, clicking, those kinds of things. The average 18-year-old spends more than seven hours a day on some form of screen-based technology. In other words, they are in front of a screen probably more than they sleep. And it's definitely the thing that they do when they're awake. And some of this has benefits, right? The reality is that there are some great benefits for social media. We use social media to spread the truth of Jesus Christ. We use social media to tell uh, the town what we're doing and the programs they're invited to. We would never be able to reach people in, that we can reach now if it weren't for technology and social media. As I mentioned, over the course of last week, we were able to track the, 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 the reports of our Brazil mission team because of social media. And we, the family of faith, are able to do the positive things that Paul calls for in this passage using social media. We are able to rejoice with those who are rejoicing, to mourn with those who are mourning, to bless and to encourage. As I was writing this message, a man who was part of Quail came to my mind. He's been ill lately, and I quickly stopped writing. I sent him a Facebook message encouraging him to know that we had been praying about him that morning in our Wednesday, night, uh, Wednesday morning men's prayer group. It's, social media is just that. It's social. It can connect us with one another, and it can help us live life. I can find a YouTube, video, a YouTube video on how to fix anything that breaks in my house. Doesn't mean I'm going to be able to fix that thing that breaks, but it means I can watch what theoretically I could have done. Here's a, here's a case in point. A couple Father's Days ago, I got a gas grill for Father's Day. And when it came, I knew I was in trouble because the box in which it came was much smaller than a gas grill, meaning it was unassembled. That's bad news. I unpacked the thing, laid out all the parts, and I found that the directions that came with the gas grill were, had no words. They were just pictures, indecipherable, non-understandable pictures in my mind. So I went to YouTube. I put in the make and the model of this gas grill, and there was a very nice man who showed me how to put it together. 
And he was extremely patient because I had to rewind him and then rewind him and then rewind him and over and over again. And eventually, I had a gas grill standing in my backyard. Now, a real person would have lost patience with me long before the end of that process. So there's benefits, but there's dangers. There's dangers. Some of the way we use it is dangerous, and the content can be dangerous. In 2019, the University of Pennsylvania studied how people use social media and how it affected them. They took a group, and, and uh, they limited half of that group to 30 minutes a day using social media, while the other half were able to continue to use the social media the way that they usually did. And they, they tested them for three weeks. It was a very short study, three weeks. And after three weeks, they took the group that they limited the use of social media, and they reported this. They reported that they were less depressed, less lonely, and less anxious. Psychologist Melissa, Melissa Hunt, who organized the test, said this, using less social media leads to significant decreases in depression and loneliness. And I read that study, and I thought, hold on. That seems backwards. This was supposed to cure loneliness. This was supposed to connect us with other people, but it makes us more lonely. And the reality is, it all, all boils down to comparison. What you are seeing online, when you watch other people's social media feeds, what you're seeing, I call a curated version of that person's life. McKenna, in her book, calls it the life's highlight reel. You're watching a highlight reel. It's edited so that the picture-perfect moments are out there for you to see. And when you see everybody else's picture-perfect moments with everybody smiling and everybody looks great, pretty soon your life doesn't compare very well. Pretty soon you begin to think, I, I must be a loser. I must be less than. I must be a missing out because look at this great life that everybody else is living and I'm still having problems. Now you make that Ten times the, the feeling when you're a teenager and all your friends are posting about the fun that they're having together and you were not invited. All of a sudden, it's a recipe for a low self-esteem. But there's more. Harvard researcher Trevor Haynes looks into the brain chemistry associated with the use of social media. And he states that when you get a notification on your phone, your brain sends a chemical messenger called dopamine along a reward pathway which makes you feel good. It's the same reward pathway and the same chemical messenger that is associated with mood elevation, like when you're laughing or when you're eating or, I guess they say, when you're gambling or when you're taking drugs. And at least for some, he mentions in the article, I'm not a, personally, I've never experienced this, when you're exercising. <laughs> Usually for me, it's, you know, down, but some, exercising. He said, so, so it's a reward uh, chemical in the brain. And when the reward comes randomly and when it's easy to check for, the dopamine-triggering behavior becomes a habit. Pediatrician John Hutton writes this, TikTok is a dopamine machine that leads to excessive use. We desire more and more of those dopamine hits. And to make it even more difficult to control, brain scientists tell us that these dopamine reward centers are active when we talk about ourselves. It gives us pleasure. We are an egotistical bunch. 
gives us pleasure to talk about ourselves. Now, in real life, you talk about yourself about 30% of your conversation. But online, you talk about yourself about 80% of the time. So the reward center is very active. All of this together means that moderation in our use of social media and screen time in general is a necessary life skill that we are going to have to talk about in our families and in our extended families. Otherwise, it will quickly get out of hand. And this is highlighted simply by understanding what social media is. Last week, one of our um, elder board members, Brad Flanagan, encouraged me to watch a documentary called The Social Dilemma. Now, I've heard about this. I knew it was out there already, but I never got around to watching it. But I did this past week. I recommend it to you, The Social Dilemma. Go, on, go online and watch it. It's produced by Netflix. But if you Google it, you can find it on a free platform. That's how I watched it. And one quote that jumped out at me from that, that documentary is this. They were talking about how they get money out of social media, the, the companies. And the guy said this, if you are not paying for the product, you are the product. If you are not paying for the product, you are the product. That's the business model assumption of social media. These companies are the most wealthy companies in the history of the world, these platforms. But it is free for us to use. Why is it free for us to use? Because they are selling you. They're selling your hits, your eyes, your, your clicks, your attention span, what you're watching. Everything you view, everything you like, everything you click on is recorded by the algorithm and the supercomputers of these companies. How long you view a post, whether you read to the end, and they're constantly crunching that data to produce information to sell to advertisers. They're selling your activity online. And so, as the product, we need to ask ourselves some questioning. In our passage, Paul calls us to live at harmony, to be at peace, to do what's right as we connect to one another. God wants us to consider the ways that we treat each other in our connections, including on social media. Thus, it's not just about moderating our time when we use technology, but it's also uh, analyzing the way that we use the technology. What are we seeking to do? What do I want to say? We have to examine that through the grid of the Scriptures. And I want to combine those issues this morning by asking a series of questions. These are the questions I think you should ask yourselves and your family as you examine your use of social media. Question number one, is my social media causing me not to be present with my family? I want to show you a picture. You see that? Dinner time. Everybody's on a screen. This is unfortunately a photo that could be taken of many of our families. Have you gone into a restaurant and sat down and looked over and see a family at the, at the booth across and every person is on their cell phone instead of talking to each other? We must be present with one another to be the kind of influences we're meant to be. I read 60 years ago that the average time a family spent at the dinner table was 90 minutes. Today, even if the family comes to the dinner table, the average duration of a family dinner, 12 minutes. We simply 
Don't spend time connecting with one another like we should. But listen to the word to parents from the Scriptures, Deuteronomy 6 says, These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. You're not going to be able to do that unless you interact as a family, as you, unless you spend time as a family. So I'm encouraging you, families, come back to the dinner table. And when you come back to the dinner table, talk over your day and do not allow phones and tablets and devices to be at the table with you, and that includes moms and dads. That should be a no digital zone. Number two, ask this question. Is my social media use taking me toward envy? Proverbs 14.30 says, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. And there's an anxiety that is now we're finding that stems from social media use. It's labeled FOMO. It's the, it's, it's the fear of missing out. And the fear of missing out is a form of envy. When it seems like everyone else gets more stuff than me, goes more places than me, looks better than me, has more fun than me, and the envious person will not be able to obey this passage when it says, rejoice with those who rejoice. Question number three, is my social media causing me to be less patient? Technology is all about speed. Faster is better. But consistently in Scripture, we see that wisdom demonstrates itself in patience. As we grow more and more impatient, we grow less and less wise. Technology is teaching us to demand everything all at once. And what's happening is what's being sucked out of our life is a life skill that we need, and it's called perseverance. Perseverance is still necessary in real life. Number four, do I participate in gossip or bragging in my social media use? Ask that question. We all want to look good, and we want to look good on social media as well. I get that. And it certainly would be wrong to parade all your problems and dirty laundry out on social media. But be careful that you don't begin to use it as a vehicle for pride or gossipy speech. That should not be what believers are doing. Question number five. Do I spread strife and disunity through my social media use? Here's the thing. The world does not need to know all of your pet peeves. The world does not need to hear all of your political points of view. We do not need to see all of the stuff that ticks you off about that politician or this movie star or whoever. When you rant, you are not helping anybody, you're not convincing anybody, you're not changing anybody's mind. Through the previous posts that you put out there, it's just a display of anger. We don't need that. And behind these questions that we should process, there are some principles that should guide our use. Principle number one is the simple principle of moderation and boundaries. This is the secret recipe for a more healthy use of social media. Moderate it. Have boundaries on the time you spend on it and where you do it, how you do it. One in eight users of social media report having engaged in compulsive use of social media so much so that it impacted their sleep, their work, their parenting, or their relationships in a negative way. 
One in eight. And there are millions and millions of users. Moderation and boundaries are the key to this. And so here's some practical steps for moderation and boundaries. You can tell this, I mean, hear it for yourself and tell this to your kids. Number one, notifications off. When your app asks you, would you like to receive notifications so that you are kept to date with every little thing this app has to say, say no. That way, you're not going to check your phone every five seconds when it dings because somebody somewhere in the ether is saying something. Say no. You can moderate your use. Number two, end your digital day at a certain time. Nine, nine thirty, whatever works for when you go to bed. Because the screen itself mitigates against you falling to sleep. Put it aside at a certain day. My day is done. Turn it off. And allow yourself to a sleep routine that includes reading, how about this, a book with paper pages. How about that? Reading that instead and slowing down and winding down. Number three, and I mentioned this before, no digital use at meals. That should be a strict rule with families with kids at home. Come to the table to eat, to visit, to connect with each other. Nobody should have a digital device at the dinner table. Number four, and this one is my favorite, a digital fast until after church on Sunday mornings. That's a good one. What do I mean by that? I mean, do not go on social media on Sunday until after you get home from church. Boy, this would help the first service. But what it does, it allows you to get ready for worship so you don't see the, your worship on Sunday as a pit stop in your otherwise digitally full day. And that brings me to mention that also, if you can get here physically, those of you who are watching online, if you can get here physically, you're not medically unable to come and you're nearby, now is the time to come back in person. The online opportunity is for the homebound at this point. Here's another boundary. This might, <laughs> I might be going to meddling here with this one, but listen. Don't interact with virtual people when a real person is right in front of you. How about that? This is an important life skill. When you're with the person, talk to that person. Don't spend time texting people you're not with. All right? All that has to do with boundaries and guidelines. Principle number two. Get off the outrage train. You know why social media platforms do outrage? Because it, uh, they cater to outrage is because it gets clicks. It keeps people on longer. And the longer you stay on social media, the more money they make from ads. And that's really the only reason. Remember, you are the platform. So the longer you are the product. So the longer you stay on that platform, they get more data, they make more money. None of those social media platforms care about our opinions. None of them care about our outrage. None of them really care about our political views. It simply makes them money and it divides us. Get off the outrage train. Principle number three use discernment regarding information and its sources. Why? Misinformation is real. 
And if you click on like on misinformation, you will get more in misinformation. If you spend a long time reading something that is a bunch of gobbledygook, you will get more of that. And soon you're going to exist in an echo chamber of nonsense. And you're going to think that that nonsense is all true because it looks to you like everybody is agreeing with it. And it simply means you have gone down the rabbit hole. Be careful what you like, what you share, what you spend a lot of time on because the social media algorithm is always watching. What do I mean by algorithm? It's the program that allows these supercomputers to crunch massive amounts of data in, into what they consider to be useful information. And what's useful information? What makes the platform money? That's useful information. The algorithm is always watching. I'm going to give you an example of that from my own life. Facebook has figured out that I'm a Christian. That's good. And they also have figured out that I am a Star Trek fan. I like Star Trek. So, out of whatever the algorithm, I have been invited to join a group that publishes Bible-themed Star Trek memes. So what does that mean? It means pictures from Star Trek with Bible verses in them. John Luke Picard standing on the bridge of the Enterprise. I can do all things through Christ. How random is that? And I didn't ask for that. The algorithm is always watching. Remember, when you're using social media, you represent Jesus online. Paul says this in Philippians, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. And I would say post about these things. Run the photos that you post through this grid, the memes that you post through this grid, the things that you say, even about public figures that people like mocking. Run it all through this grid. Is it true? Is it noble? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it admirable? Is it excellent? Is it praiseworthy? Why? You represent Jesus. And we should be shooting for the righteous use of social media. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to be relevant to the day and age we live, recognizing that Your Word establishes principles that are transferable, always usable, applicable to the needs around us. And so, Lord, we pray that we would be those who apply those principles in the new and fast-paced uh, world in which we live. Help us, Lord, to process these things uh, in our families, in our homes, with our, grand, our grandkids and uh, friends. Lord, we pray that we would be uh, living in ways that would give you glory. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.